Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. We've had hard times before in my family. I'm sure you've had hard times in yours. What do you do when hard times come? It's a funny thing for me as I seem to, when hard times come, I, I have a tendency to retract a little bit at first and um, go numb, as my wife would say. Just keep doing what I know to do is right. And then it seems if, if times get more difficult and I, I begin to get perplexed and I, I don't know exactly what to do, I then just begin to go deeper in God. He has become my shield and my fortress. He's the, my God in whom I trust. And that's not come out of a fair weather walk with the Lord. I've been through some things. I've not been through a global pandemic, even though it seems to be a little bit hyped. Every nation's impacted, it seems. And we've never been through anything like this in America. Not like this. In the early 1900s, the Spanish flu, but this just seems to be different with the shutting down of our economy, and I don't know all that's going to take place. So I, I pressed in, and the Lord spoke to me, told me it's going to pass. I've heard other people say that. I've heard prophets say it. I believe it. I've declared it. I've preached it. But it is something different when God comes, when God comes to you himself and says, Son, it's going to be fine. My love for you, your love for me, I'm going to lead you and guide you. This thing will pass. The building will be built. There'll be a great harvest, and then the end will come. You're right. You're right in the right spot. There's coming a mighty wave of revival. Now, I didn't hear that from anybody else. I, it sounds like stuff I've heard from other people, but the Lord spoke to me myself and just encouraged me again. What do you do when hard times come? What are you doing now? There's so many that are sedating themselves dispensaries are open. They're smoking themselves into oblivion. There's people that are drinking themselves into stupors. Some people have put on 30 pounds in the past four weeks, three weeks. <laughs> you find yourself being ministered to by the refrigerator and the food that's in it. Many people have gone back to the crutches of their past as opposed to doing what Isaac did here. This text, there's a famine in the land. And I want to say clearly, it's obvious to me more than ever before that there is a spiritual famine in the land. There is spiritual famine in denominationalism. There is spiritual famine in, in, in non-denominational churches. There is spiritual famine with atheists. You know, one of the things that's taking place that you might not be aware of is because of the intensity of what's, what's happening, people that know the word but don't believe it are starting to believe it. In other words, if you know anything about the end time and you start reading, you can imagine, geez, I see how it could possibly go to a one-world government. My gosh, the mark of the beast, that's not all that far off. I mean, they man, maybe, maybe the Bible's true. Atheists are saying stuff like that. Atheists are th saying things like that. Maybe, maybe this, this, this word, the word of God of the book of Revelation is true. And many people are being awakened in this hour. But there is spiritual famine. In the time of Samuel, the prophet, 
The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Proverbs says, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. So many times the word of God is not preached with authority and power. There needs to come a dividing line. A dividing line of what's true and what's, what's, what's a lie and what's holy and, and what isn't. The Moffat version says that the promises of God are yes and amen. They're not an ambiguous blend of maybe. And I'm telling you, the ambiguous blend of Christianity is falling away. I had somebody tell me, you know, Pastor, I think the day of the megachurch, in fact, he said it differently. He said it like the Lord says the day of the megachurch is over. I think he missed it just a little bit. I think the day of the lukewarm, half-hearted, powerless church is coming to a close, and people are going to begin to press in to experience the God of the book of Acts, that God is still the one who raises the dead. He's still the one who heals the sick. He's still the one that causes is a multiplication of fish like he did for Peter. He's still the one. He still parts the Red Sea. He's the same. Our God is the same. And he's on the throne tonight. And I, I tell you, there's people who are fed up, sick and tired of being political, and they want the truth. I want to tell you tonight that God is reaching out to you to tell you how much he loves you. And you might be in an emotional famine, a spiritual famine, but if you'll just hear the word of the Lord tonight, that he's going to bring you to a place of rich, 100-fold abundance, that God is going to bring you to a place of fresh water. He's going to lead you beside the still water. He's still the good shepherd. He still goes out on a dark and a cloudy day to seek his, those who've been lost, those who've, who've been rejected, those who are wounded, and those who are hurting. This is the hour to lift our voice as the church of the living God to declare that Jesus Jesus is alive, that Jesus is alive, and there's hope, and there's strength. You don't have to stay in a place of addiction. You don't have to have a dysfunctional, broken marriage where you leave home and take off your wedding band so you can see if you could hook up with somebody because they won't see that you're married. You don't have to have a half-hearted, lackadaisical life. You can walk in freedom and power and truth. You can lie down on your bed at night knowing that you have peace with God and peace with your spouse and peace with your kids. You don't have to worry of the fear of judgment that's coming upon the whole world. Jesus is coming back for his spotless bride. And so I would say, I would say that the day of, of compromised, mega compromised Christianity certainly needs to come to a close. The wells of denominationalism have dried up. And every denomination, just about every denomination, has started in the fire. I mean the fire of revival from Luther, Jonathan Edwards, all the, all the, great, all the great denominations that exist now. They started with a great outpouring of the Spirit but went to a bunch of rules, traditions of men, a form of religion lacking the power the power thereof. So Isaac is in famine. America 
is in famine. Many, many people in Alaska are in famine. It's time for the famine to end. And this famine that we're in now is staying home and quarantined. Don't let it be a spiritual famine. Let it move you to God like it did for Isaac. Man, I'm not even out of my introduction. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands to heaven and pledge, vow your allegiance to him. I will not bow the knee to another. I will not yield to, to the culture or pressure or hate mail or hate email. We will preach and pray and prophesy until you split the eastern sky and take us home. We will not be a people of compromise. What did Isaac do? What did he do? And in this text, you find some keys of what to do in a global pandemic in the midst of a famine. He was going to move to Egypt, and that is a picture to me of of going to bondage. Now, Egypt was, because of the way it was positioned on the Nile, it was many times not as susceptible to famine as in other lands. And so people would run to Egypt to go and, and find food and, and help. And, and for me, I think about Egypt. What do you think about Egypt? Now, this is before slavery and before Joseph and all of that. But Egypt is always a picture of the world. It's always a picture of, of pagan, idolatrous worship. It's always a picture of that which is, is really not of God. And there are examples where God would speak to his people and say, go back to Egypt. You know, go Abraham, go to Egypt. And out of, out of Egypt, he called his son. That's a prophetic word where Jesus, came, you know, Joseph was sent to Egypt by the Lord when with Mary and the two-year-old baby Jesus. And they went to Egypt to escape the killing of all the innocents. But Isaac was told by the Lord not to go to Egypt. And so God spoke to Isaac and told him, stay in the land. Stay in the land. I said it at the ETS 1230 today. I would rather be in an outhouse on the outskirts of hell with a water pistol in the midst of the will of God than be in some lavish place with palm trees and a, and a daiquiri, you know, sipping away in the lap of luxury outside of the will of God. You want to be, listen, you don't want to be, you've got to, your life depends on whether you're in the will of God or not. Do you know what church you go to will determine what happens in your life? Do you know that? Now, I know that's not popular, but I've seen it before. It's not time to live a life of compromise. It's not time to hear a message of, of, of you could just do whatever you want and just Jesus loves you. You just go home and get drunk and drink your, your malt whiskey, your single malts, and smoke your cigars, and pretend that this is some little intellectual exercise. You'll be shocked when you stand before the Son of Man. And he says, perhaps, get away from me. I never knew you. It's time to know God and to go deep in God. What you do, where you work, how you drive, who you marry, where you live, all of those things are very, very important. Is it, is it really? Yeah. Now, you don't need to be a, a spiritual fruitcake, but I mean, let the Lord lead you. 
Let him lead you. Listen to him. He'll speak to you as he spoke to me today. He'll speak to you. He'll encourage you. He'll strengthen you. He'll anoint you. Hallelujah. God gave Isaac a promise. Five promises. And it's the same promise that he gave to Abraham. I'll be with you. You remember what it was said about Joseph? And God was with Joseph. Go look at the story of Joseph over and over. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And everywhere Joseph went, he prospered. He was blessed. God was with Daniel. And the lions were fasting that night as a result. If God is with you, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. God was with, God will be with you. I will be with you. I will bless you, he says. These are the same promises to Abraham because the blessings of God are multi-generational. And you know, the other thing it says is the way that you live, oh, Abraham and Sarah, the way that you live will affect your Isaac. The way that you live will affect your kids in the next generation. Be mindful of that. We don't, we don't always think that way, but as I've gotten older, I think that way more and more. I'm, I'm, I'm face to face with my mortality being 53, and I'm going to live to 120 and preach and pray and prophesy, but, you know, that's, that's not all that far off. So you have to think in terms of, you know, your kids. Are you equipping them? Are you speaking to them the promises of God? Because the promises of, of God over your life extend on to the next generation and how you handle those and whether you obey and where the way that you live, the way that you pray, the way that you go, so it'll go with your kids. I mean, that's a sobering thought. I will bless you. I will give you all of these lands and to your descendants. I will multiply your descendants. All the nations will be blessed through your offspring. So God's promise was passed down from Abraham to Isaac. And let me say this. The promises of God are to be passed down from you to your children. Talk about them around the dinner table. Talk about them when you go, when you, when you drive to drive in church. Talk about them when you're home. Talk about them when you're on the phone. Text them. Facebook them. Instagram them. Talk about the promises of God. Declare the promises of God. I was talking to one of my very dear friends on the East Coast today, might be on right now, and he said, you know, the blessing of God comes when you're submersed. When you're submersed. I remember when I first got saved, I lived in a, uh, it was like a Christian commune kind of a thing. 295 Ohana Street in Maui. And there was about eight or ten of us that lived in that place. My mom had a, had a room that she rented, and I rented a room in another house, and I had a roommate whose name was David, and just about every person in that complex all became pastors over the next few decades. And I would come back, you know, come back from church, and, and uh, we'd eat lunch together and take a nap, and that's what they taught us to do, go to church, nap, get up, go back to church. And uh, during the week, there's prayer in the morning. There was Bible studies. And I'd come home from work, and it'd be like, hey, how you doing? 
Oh, you know, if I wasn't doing good, I'd talk to somebody, we'd pray together, and I'd get the victory. Everywhere I went, it was like I was submersed in this Bible college type of environment. Some of you try to live in the blessing of God when you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. I mean, so you might as well just rip yourself up the middle. You're not going to walk in the blessing of God if you're yoked with unbelievers and you're yoked with people who don't like the way that you think, you know, who the, those that criticize you because you're a tither or are mad at you because you preach loud in a neighborhood. You've got to obey God and you've got to get submersed in it. You've got to come out from among them. Isaac didn't go asking people, some unbeliever, well, do you think we should stay here? No, I think you should go to Egypt. Who gives a flip what other people think you should do? You do what God tells you to do, and there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, but if you're going to walk in the blessing, you've got to get submersed. You have to be submersed. I listen to worship. I listen to preaching. I read my Bible. You say, that's because you're a pastor. Oh, zip it. I was doing that when I was working a construction job. Well, I, I just, come on, you've got to make a decision to cut all ties with hell. You have to make a decision to push yourself away from those who would give you the advice of the world, the Egyptian advice. So Isaac stayed and heard the promises and heard the Lord repeat them to him. Because of Abraham's obedience, Isaac was blessed. Isaac stayed in the land. He planted crops, and God blessed him a hundredfold, and he became very wealthy. Why? Answer this question, pray tell. Why would the Word of God say that he became very wealthy? It doesn't just say wealthy. It says very wealthy, and then it goes on to say, and his wealth continued to grow. Very wealthy, and he continued to prosper. You know why? Because that is a byproduct of the kingdom. That is an aspect of the kingdom. You'll see it over and over. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon, all through the Old Testament. If you live for God, he meets your needs and he blesses you. If you don't live for him, you end up cursed and you'll you know, end up with diseases and you'll be walking in a place of despondency and despair until you cry out to him again and then he'll turn your captivity. That's the good news. The good news is you might not have lived that way all your life. Well, I didn't either, although the majority of my life I have now. The good news is even if you didn't have Abraham as your father and you came from some dysfunctional, jacked up family like most of us did, you can turn to him tonight. And by the end of this message... By the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get right with God, and you become, you become a patriarch for your own family. All right, so you went through abuse, and you went through pain, and you went through difficulty. Shake yourself and let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all of your pain. Let the blood of Jesus wash you and heal you and come to him and be healed from all of your backsliding. Be healed from all of your unbelief and serve him and watch God use you to bring forth generational blessings. You've not gone too far, not if you can hear my voice. You say, what if I'm, I'm reprobate? Not if you can hear me right now, you're not reprobate. I bind that ugly demon off of you now. And I command you to come out from among them. Come out, Lazarus, and be free. He planted crops, received a hundredfold, became very wealthy. Not just wealthy, very wealthy. You'll notice in the text that these family wells were stopped up. 
That was always a strategy from the enemy. When they'd take an umbrage against God's people, they would stop up the wells with stones and sand. And there's so much here that I perhaps will bring in another message, but the generational blessings are so profound. And you want to generate those. You want those to come into your life. You know, I was thinking about this over the past 24, 48 hours or so, well, since Sunday, about the generational blessings in my life. And on my mother's side, I'm the 13th generation, 13 generations of preachers on my mother's side. Her, her dad, her dad, her dad turned from the Lord for a period of time, but at the end he came back and he became a deacon. But before that, there was just one after another after another. On my father's side, I'm not sure. They might have been a long list of pub goers. They're Irish, so I imagine. Hardworking fighters. And I begin to think about the blessing of God in my life, and then I, I've seen some of the spiritual blessings in my life because I'm connected with Dr. James Morocco. I'm part of the family, and I have been for a long time. And I've watched how God has blessed the Morocco family because of their faithfulness to the Lord and his father's faithfulness. And I've actually been adopted in a way, not just into Christ, but into that spiritual lineage. And so I'm, because I'm connected in that spiritual lineage, the blessing of, of the Moroccos is even on my life too. Listen, you might not even know your mother. You might not know your father. But you can come and get a new father and a new mother in the kingdom. You can get a spiritual father. You can come into the, into the church, get born again, and they get planted. And the blessing of God that's rest upon my life and my pastors and my staff that comes down, for, as Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's there that he commands a blessing. That canopy of blessing that's over us as a part of kings. I can't talk for another church. God bless the body of Christ. I can only talk about what I'm in and what I've seen over 20 years. I'm not saying 10 years. I'm saying over 20. One day I'll say 30 should the Lord tarry. But over the past 20 years, I tell you this. This is my testimony along with my wife. That every single person that has ever come into this house, in the when I say house, I mean church, and all the times I've been serving God, that those that came in, served, faithfully stayed, famine, feast, challenges, trials, praying, continuing to continuing to tithe, continuing to give, every single one of them, their whole family gets saved. Some of them it's deathbed conversions but all of them get saved nonetheless. Every single person that's lived like that and immersed in the kingdom, serving God with all their heart, not some cute little thing you do on Sunday for God's sake, not some cute little pablum, little patty cake for Jesus. I'm talking about living for him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you go to the pot shop. No, no, no. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Ah! I mean, does that work in sports? 
Does that work if you're like a professional, you know, you're a professional basketball player? Committed to the grind. I saw on my phone, my son's phone. Committed to the grind, and there's some basketball player. I don't know who it is, but he's committed to the grind. You know what that means? That means working on your handles all the time. Playing with tennis balls to improve your, your, your handling skills. Shooting thousands upon thousands upon thousands of three-point shots so that you can hit it anywhere in the stadium. You can hit that thing. They just over and over conditioning your body, conditioning your mind. You're committed to the grind. Where are the Christians that are committed to being Christ-like? and I believe God's raising them up right here. Ah! I believe God's raising up committed. Come, come on. I'm committed to Christ. I'm committed to the grind of becoming more like him. Committed to prayer. Committed to serving him. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> hey. You know, we, we saw somebody pull in here a little bit ago and they sped off. So either they're like 18 years old or they were mad. And uh, I don't know if they're mad or they're 18 or what the case was. But here's the thing. You need to turn, turn a deaf ear to all of your critics that are enemies. Enemy, any enemy of God that's a critic, you can go pound sand. I hope that God opens up your ears. Eat your heart out. Do whatever you want. Put up a million posts. I'm unmoved by what you have to say. I'm unmoved. I'm going to be gracious and Christ-like. And when I'm not, I'll pretend I'm the evangelist and you can pretend too. Whatever makes you comfortable, I'm not going to shrink back. I'll preach in the rain, preach in the snow. We're going to do whatever we got to do. Why? 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 Because the kingdom of God is at hand and hell is real. Well, I've gotten off my notes. Let's have a praise break. I will never forget this. I will never forget preaching in the rain to a bunch of Jesus freaks. Yeah, hallelujah. Talked about generational blessing. The enemy loves to come and stop up the wells. There was a book written by Lou Engel years ago. I'd encourage you to go get it and read it. It's called Opening the well, Reopening the Wells of Revival. There's a great revival that's coming, but you're going to have to fight for it. So what does that look like? It looks like standing in the rain preaching. It looks like sowing in a time of famine. It looks like staying when other people leave. It looks like obeying God in the midst, in the face of great opposition. It looks like turning a deaf ear to your critics and being blind to the obstacles of your vision. It looks like serving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And even if your family doesn't like it, you're not here for your family. You're here to serve God. And if they reject you, you pray. And please don't hear that the wrong way. The man who does not provide for his family is worse than the unbeliever. But I'm not going to yield or bend the knee to the opinions of somebody who's not in Christ, who doesn't believe the Lord, who's not saved. I'm not going to do it. There are Philistines, strong polluters, that want to cause your wells to be shut up. It's not time to shut up. It's time to well up. It's time to get on fire.
God speaking to us as the police drive in the parking lot. How will you respond? <laughs> oh, I think he's just getting a better seat so he can hear. We love the police officers and we pray for them every day. How will you respond in the next season? How will you respond in the next season? This next season, how, how have you been responding? Have you put on 40 pounds and you're trying to watch as many binge watch, as many TV shows and movies as you can? <laughs> don't see you don't peeping your horns now are you good don't let's limit our limit our horns for a second come on god is god is on the move how will you respond in this next season it's so important that you respond like isaac you've got to get a word from the lord i believe this next season will be the one of the greatest releases of wealth that there has ever been seen the greatest release of wealth that there has ever been seen. Say, so how's that going to happen? God will give you an idea. God will give you a dream. You think of some internet idea or, 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 or even a t-shirt. or I mean, there's people that, that really did quite well with the creation of, of masks when they ran out. They just, you got to have the right timing. You got to hear from God. Will you let fear grip you or will you be gripped by the love of God? The attack we're under right now is an, attack, is an attack to try to stop the church, amongst other things. The enemy's always trying to stop the church, but you can't stop that which is eternal. And I do believe that there's a, a cleansing that's taking place in the church. There's a shaking. Isaac responded in faith. He didn't run. He didn't hide. Don't run. And don't hide. It doesn't work. Run to God. Call on Him. Get a word from the Lord. Get a word from God. Plant a seed. Everybody say plant a seed. Don't stop giving. Don't stop sowing. Be led by the Lord. And I commend you because you have it. We continue to grow. Continue to reach people. And we're going to be receiving our tithes and our, our, an offering tonight. So you want to get ready for that. As we usually do that in the beginning, we're doing it now on the front, on the backside. A great transfer of wealth, I believe, could take place. And there's a time when God demonstrated his power to Isaac, just like he had done to Abraham. And I found in my life, you know, that's a wonderful thing to be connected to an Abraham. It's a wonderful thing to have an, for Elisha to have an Elijah. All of us need to have an Elijah. But then there comes a time when you, Isaac, when you, Elisha, it's time for you to strike the water and see it go hither and thither. It's time for you to develop a deep abiding walk with the Lord, to grow in his word, to memorize scripture, not to sedate yourself and go into a food coma, but to get a word from God, to be led by him to lead your family, to be an example. God elevated Isaac, and God will elevate you. If you'll heed him, if you'll listen to him, if you'll obey him, if you'll choose him and not Egypt, God will elevate you. Malachi 3 and 17. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them. 
Just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction. Listen closely. This is a word from the Lord. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. You will see the distinction. In Zechariah chapter 8 and 23, as I begin to conclude this, Minister Micah on the keys, please. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 men from all the languages of the nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard that God is with you. About five years ago at a prophetic conference, Chuck Pierce finished preaching. He came off the pulpit, and his, his eyes were fastened on me. And it was a pretty intense moment as he walked straight towards me. And he looked me in my baby blues, and he said, build a new well, dig a new well, dig a new well. And I said, I will. And he said it again, dig a new well. There's a well of revival here in Alaska. I believe we're one of them. I don't believe we're the only one, but I believe that we're one of them. And you have to contend for that. You have to contend for the well. The one well was called strife or contention. And he, he turned away from that and others took it over. The other one was called hatred. Quarrels, hatred, strife. He dug a new well. New wells are needed in this hour. You're connected to a great well. That's this one. But in your home, dig a new well. I challenge you to start times of devotion with your children. I challenge you to take this time. Hallelujah. To take this time to seek him. To get a word from the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, I... I need help. I know. We all need help. The first thing you need to do is receive Jesus. And if you've never done that tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to receive Christ. Those online, on Facebook, on YouTube, whatever platform, 16, 10 a.m., receive Jesus. That's the first step. You want to walk in the blessings in the midst of pandemic? Got to get saved. You got to get born again. You must repent of your sin and receive Jesus. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except through him. You say, Pastor, seriously, that means that people that don't receive Jesus don't go to heaven? Right. That's, that's right. That's what that means. There's no free pass for anyone. So if you want to receive Jesus tonight, and you've never done that before, won't you do it tonight? Or maybe you received Jesus and, and time's gone by, but you know you've got compromise. You've got sin. You've got, you've got things in your life you know are not right. God's been convicting you from the, from the onset of this message. Repent and give your life back to him. Start afresh. And, you know, not only to give your heart to Jesus and be born again, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You need the resurrection power of God. It takes God to live for God. And you need Him. You need the baptism of the Spirit. You need a prayer language and the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't just save you and leave you with, you know, no, no power to walk it out. He gives you power. Read the book of Acts. You say, that's me, Pastor. Thank God for you. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you stayed on to listen. I'm glad you're in the parking lot. Won't you receive Jesus today for the first time or make a recommitment to him all across this place? Pray that prayer with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again for the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands wherever you are. Let your Holy Spirit come down upon every heart. I pray those that are filled would be refilled. I pray those that have those that have never been filled would be filled now. In the name of Jesus, baptize these with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill them. A hunger for the Word, a hunger for the things of God, a hunger for fellowship. That they would choose you, not a blend of Christianity in the world. They'd be committed. They'd be submersed. They'd be devoted, devoted to you. Not listening to Egypt. Or the wind and the waves and God obeying you, walking with you. And they would become like an Abraham and their family, like a Sarah and their family. Those generational blessings will come down. I sever, cut every cord, every tie of generational iniquity and sin. I come against even a spirit of control and a pharisaical spirit. God, I pray, release your liberty, your power now upon these to serve you with fear and trembling, that we would be those that are prophesied how you have compassion on us. Verse 18, Malachi 3, and you will again. See the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't. And God, I pray now as we give, come on, prepare your seed, prepare your tithe. I pray now as we give for bonuses, raises, promotion. I prophesy the hundredfold, the hundredfold in my life, in their life, in all of our lives, and that you would make us very prosperous in every way. Release witty inventions and ideas, houses that we didn't build, vineyards that we didn't plant. Give us new wells, new sources of, of resource and favor with God and with man. Release the water of the new well of the Spirit in Jesus' name. We declare the blessing of Abraham. You blessed Abraham in all things. Bless us in all things. And we say once again, that the heavens are open, the devourers rebuked, and the time of favor has come. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's go ahead and give. Hallelujah. I just want you. Nothing else. Holy Spirit. Nothing else. Holy Ghost. Nothing else will do. Businesses. I just want you. Blessing. Refund. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Hallelujah. I just want you, nothing else. The Lord shows me that there's nothing a number of people else. that are owed money that you were taken advantage of or there was a debt that wasn't repaid. And the Lord says, you, you, you let it go, you forgave it, you turned the other cheek. The Lord says, I'm causing that which was taken from you to be returned. I am bringing that which was stolen back to you and increasing you. I'm causing conviction and putting resource. They won't be able to sleep until they pay you back. They, it'll be like that. They'll just be troubled because they know they've got to do you right. And there's a restoration of that which is stolen. I see also uh, relationships that were severed with parents and children. I see relationships being restored. I see families being reunited. I see fathers and mothers turning towards their children, children towards their fathers and mothers. I see healing taking place. And property. I see property coming to different ones. Increase, inheritance, favor. I see properties being released. And I see supernatural wisdom coming to people, God's people, on how to invest and what to do. You'll hear a voice and say, this is the way ye walk in it. You won't turn to the right or the left. And I will again elevate you. And I will again promote you to show a distinction between a mixture and that which is holy. Distinction between that which is righteous and that which is wicked. I am again separating the sheep from the goats. I am again casting the net bringing in a great harvest. I've called you for such a time as this. So be strengthened with might, says the Lord. Be encouraged. Be encouraged for he who sits in Zion laughs. At his right hand, Psalm 16, there's pleasures forevermore. He is enthroned. Righteousness and truth are the foundations of his throne. And they are not shaken by wars, rumors of wars, engineered pandemics, or anything else. They're not shaken. He's not shaken by any of those things, but he is moved by faith. He loves you. He's for you. Don't run in fear. Get a word from God. Walk in the blessings. Pass them on to your kids. See the hundredfold. And watch and see God cause this thing to, to fade away and a great revival to ensue. Build those altars at your house. Pass on generational blessing. Dig a new well. Contend for a new well. Here's a word. Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. There's all kinds of people that won't like you. It doesn't matter. 
God loves you. Obey him, and he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Don't worry about it. Turn a deaf ear to the criticizing accusations of your enemies. And have a blind eye to the obstacles of your vision. These are the days, the greatest days of all of history. Right now, you and I are living in them. Father, thank you. I bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards us, Lord. Heal every single person in the parking lot. Every single person that has a disease, an infirmity, right now, be healed. Even as they sleep, cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.